And some of you listening, you're afraid of success because if you succeed, everyone's going to have this expectation about you. Did you hear the key word there, Ashley? Everyone. You're worried about what everybody else is thinking. No, don't compare yourself. Don't worry about that. Instead, when you're on the diamond, you know what you do? Check us out. Check us out. Fearless. Play with freedom. Just go for it. And that's what I tell my team. You need to play with freedom to really reach your full potential. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive. And I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like. And you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here. So whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey there, I am so excited to have you here for another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. This next guest on the show is an absolute dream guest for me. You'll learn in the interview how influential she was on my career as a softball player and how without her, our game would not be where it is. And I know I've said this before, but truly she is one of the goats in our game. Dr. Dot Richardson, her Olympic teammates used to call her Dr. Dot, is joining us from her newly renovated stadium at Liberty, where she currently is the head coach and is just coming off of a conference championship. She even gave me a fun little video tour before our interview together, and it is sweet. A few of her accolades that I feel like you should know, and when I say a few, these are really only a few. At the age of 13, Floridian Dot Richardson became the youngest player in the Women's Major Fast Pitch League. Yes, she was 13 years old when she joined. She was a three-time All-American at Western Illinois and UCLA, where she transferred. After transferring to UCLA, she won the first national championship for them in 1982. She was named NCAA's Athlete of the Decade in the 1980s is a 1996 and 2000 Olympic gold medalist for Team USA. She recorded the first ever hit for Team USA in the Olympics in 96 and also recorded the first home run ever in the sport of softball in the Olympics that year as well. She's been inducted into the National Hall of Fame in 2006, is an orthopedic surgeon I love this story and she gets to share it on this episode and was the director of the National Training Center before becoming the head coach of Liberty University in 2013 and has since finished first in the Big South, won the Big South Conference Tournament and has led her team to be one of the top teams in the nation. Like I said, these are just a few of her accolades. (laughs) I'm so excited for you to get to know in this episode how Dot went from not being able to even play organized sports to becoming one of the youngest professionals in the game ever, 
how the mindset of owning her role has allowed her to become one of the greatest athletes in history and live out her Olympic dream, the power of having a dream, the influence her parents had on her upbringing and how competitive yet humble she is, how becoming Dr. Dot Richardson came to be, the importance of her incredible faith on her journey, what she believes is an important tool for teams to have to develop a championship culture, how she's been able to transform her team from going 11 and 46 in her first season to being one of the most competitive teams now in the nation, how she would define leadership and so much more. I'm so excited. Let's just dive in. Let's welcome Dr. Dot to the show. Dot Richardson, you're in the house. This is an absolute honor. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my honor. Trust me so much. Thank you. Ashley, appreciate it. (laughs) I wasn't expecting a full tour of your brand new facilities, but let me tell you what you've built, you know, from starting the program in 2013 to where you are now, it's it's so so incredible to see how far Liberty Softball's come. Well, it really is, and it's a testament to the Lord because I'm telling you, uh, you know my background uh, as an orthopedic surgeon, executive of a hospital. Didn't expect when my prayers were sent up to the Lord of, you know, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Is it going to be politics or what? Whatever it is, I'm all in. And the next morning, getting getting a call from the largest Christian university in the world. And uh, asking me to coach. And my husband was like, this is a God thing. We got to do it. And humble beginnings, Ashley, as you mentioned, from (laughs) a field that looked like a rec field to a double wide trailer that was coaching room. Uh, It was a locker room for the kids. It was the umpire room. Uh, It just very humble beginnings. And I had to smile at the time because we think of here's Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who came in a little manger as a baby. And I just thought this is his program, obviously, because it wasn't something that I had pursued. And to see it just growing, and that's what we want to do with our faith, right? Is keep it growing and honoring him. 100%, 100%. And humble beginnings, like, where do we even begin? I I remember being literally in middle school, and this is going to sound so cliche, but I told you this when I met you for the first time at NFCA. You were a part of softball's humble beginnings, I believe, because, you know, I literally wrote a paper on you in middle school, going into high school, um, because you were a champion of the game. I hope but, you got an A. Did you get an A? Oh, you know I got an A in this. Yes. Anytime I wrote about softball or had a project with softball in it, it was always an A. Like, <laughs> this is how I knew I was going to be in the game forever. But you were just a pioneer, and I literally remember opening up my encyclopedia <laughs> And your name was in it as one of the first to, you know, play, not only play in the Olympics on the Olympic team, but also get the first hit and get the first home run. Like these are just all, you know, God things that are happening, but it truly, it was so neat to be able to love the game and find other people like you who just absolutely love it are trailblazing, um, not even just for softball, but for any female in sport. So I just needed to tell you that we got the A on the paper Love and it. and it's it's funny how that was a little bit of my beginning and you know you don't know this about me but you truly inspired me to not only play softball but become as great as I could at it. So just want to thank you <laughs> to start the podcast interview. Oh my gosh, it has been um, That's why I wrote the book as you know living the dream. It's living the dream and very yep. humbling when you talk about me as a pioneer. I guess I'd have to I qualify for that. There were so many women before us. I mean, 
I made yeah. Babe Deekers and Zaharias, you know, and it was funny because I watched a movie and it was about the babe and everyone thinks the babe was baseball, you know, Babe Ruth, but it was really for me, Babe Deekers and Zaharias, a woman out of Texas, you know, Belmont, Texas, who just, you know, she just played all the sports she could, right? And uh, next thing you know, she's winning a track championship for her high school as the only, you know, woman athlete that was participating and just went professional golf afterwards. But and then I look at those women I played against from Joan Joyce and Irene Shea, Sharon Backus, Willie Rose, Snooky Mulder, uh, Stephanie Tenney, Diane Davidson. I mean, I can go on and on and um, Mickey Davis. And even before that, you know, you had, you know, when you look at the pic- the pitchers that really made the game happen, um, you know, it's just, it's humbling to to know that I was a part of that, even myself as a little girl, a, you know, a, a, you know, just a Batgirl watching it happen and learning and right. and taking it to the level it's taken me. But I'm gonna Absolutely. Correct, I'm gonna correct history a little bit. The first game okay. in the Olympics and ever hosting our sport, nineteen ninety six, right? Um it, we played against the United States against Puerto Rico and it was Samantha, the left fielder who had the first hit in Olympic history. She had the first hit. And I okay. had okay. the second hit, but the first American hit and then obviously the first home run. But um you know, when I think of like Bertha Chicky way back when you got you guys those listening, hopefully if you don't know these names, you start looking up our sport. And I know that that when you look at um, PFX athletics and not for profit, uh, my niece Allison Strange, she did interviews with all of these legends. You know, it's just and I got to play at UCLA for Sharon Backus, who I watched when I was very young, you know, and uh, she's a Hall of Famer and and now myself as Hall of Famer, Famer hanging up next to her, you know, it's a, and those other, those other pioneers is incredible. Yeah. When we, you're dropping a lot of the same names that Hutch also dropped when she was on the podcast. Um, but against, yeah, absolutely. I played against Hutch. Oh, I yeah. had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. yeah. And you guys were probably super competitive and now you're besties. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I'll never forget the national championship. I think at the time I was 15 in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, she was a shortstop at the time and we, you know, played against a lot of them. So yeah, it's great to see the sport like yourself keeping you in the game longer. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause you know, growing up, you didn't really think that that was a thing unless you're coaching in college, like what else is out there? There's just so much. And, um, you know, speaking of, of Hutch and how, you know, humble beginnings, um, she was told that she couldn't play, recreational sports. I think you had the same story when you first started playing sports. Yes, because we're girls, right? So when I was younger, only boys got to play organized sports. So I remember asking my mom, how come I can't play sports? And how come I can't play baseball? And she's like, well, because when you strike out all the boys, the parents are going to have trouble with it. Yeah. My mom and dad knew that I had this talent in athletics and the guys knew it too. The boys didn't have a problem. It was like, after school, they'd pick and pick up games. I'd be the first one selected over my brother, who's three years older, and my younger brother. I mean, I was the first one the guys would pick on their teams, whether it was basketball, soccer, you know, baseball, whatever it might be. So I knew that God had given me a gift. And when you say that, I don't say it lightly. Because when you do what the Lord has given you the gifts to do, it's you feel like, wow, this is something special, right? This is something different. And it's something that you're driven internally, right? It was never mm-hmm. for me about acceptance, right? It was never for me about 
friends. Like when I played, it wasn't about friendships. It was about when I played, I felt God's pleasure. Like I just felt this is what he has created me to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's you kind of maybe feel like you're on cloud nine, like you're not really alive for a second. Like I think I've had multiple moments where even in a podcast interview, I'm just like, how am I here? Like, this is so interesting. Like this, I'm, I'm living out a plan that I didn't even know was, was the plan. Right. So yeah, absolutely. And, and That's, actually when you make those plays, like you try and be super cool, right. But you, to yourself, you're going unbelievable. I can't believe I made that play. Right. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and then I learned just to go with it. Like, don't even mm-hmm. analyze it. Just do it, right? Um, yep. And so that's why a lot of things I say, you know, are about, I know that God has given every one of us just a talent, if not more talents, right? So whether it's reading or writing or uh, like you, podcast, uh, speaking, singing, acting, athletics, you know, loving on people, right? Caring for people. Like everyone has at least one gift and they know mm-hmm. what it is. And my, I want to encourage them, whatever it is, to go for it, right? I mean, just to, you know, just to live, live out the dream and the purpose that you have in your life because it's all about not just you experiencing it, but impacting the lives of others. Uh, we talked about camps that we do here and, you know, you have over 140 kids and, how can we let them know how special they are, that God loves them, right? That they are worthy um, because there's so much negativity in the world. And we look out right now and it's biblical. And if nobody mm-hmm. knows what I'm talking about, I challenge you to just start looking at prophecy, biblical prophecy, just, you know, dive in and you're going to go, wow. You know, the pro- prophecy is a testimony of Jesus Christ and uh, no man can say what's going to happen in, a minute from now, let alone in 3,500 years or more, or 2,000 or 1,500, look at all the prophecies that are there. Yeah. So I, I'm hosting a camp in New York this weekend, and I'm just, you're hyping me up for my own camp um, to keep doing what I love to do. So yeah, um, it, I know this is, I know this is going to be a fun interview strictly because of just how much wisdom you have. Do you mind sharing from, you know, the age of 10? where you started really playing competitively to having this dream to play at the Olympics. Can you share a little bit of that journey um, to get you to where you were, you know, winning a couple gold medals at the Olympics? Well, when I was seven years old, I saw the Olympics for the first time in my life. And I saw a pole vaulter go over a bar. And when he landed, he looked up, the bar hadn't fallen. And his reaction was, oh my gosh, his arms went up and he realized he'd captured the Olympic gold medal. And the cameras were scanning everyone in the Coliseum and they were chanting USA, USA. And that night I went to bed and Ashley, I had a dream. I saw myself standing on a podium. And when I bent down, an Olympic gold medal was put around my neck. Right? And people go, oh yeah, because you saw it and everything. But to me, it seems so real. But the weird thing is I couldn't even play any organized sports as we just talked about. But I had this dream. And at 10 years of age, uh, I was actually breaking in my brother's brand new catcher's mitt. He knew who had the fastest fastball, right? And I'm breaking (laughs) it in before his Little League game. And the previous game just got done, and the head coach walked over to me, and he said, wow, you got a great arm. Would you like to play on my Little League 
baseball team. And I was like, to that point in my life, my prayers at night were like, God, why did you give me this opportunity, this talent with no opportunity, right? Why did you give me this passion with no opportunity? We also we often ask ourselves that. Why isn't life easier? Why is it so tough? Why is life not fair? Right? We can go on and on. And you look at it and really it's about that self-pity in a way, right? You get the little violin out. And it really comes to trusting God's timing, trusting the Lord, trust his timing. So this was my time, right? This baseball coach, I'm going to play Little League. Oh my gosh, yeah. finally, it's going to happen, right? <laughs> and then he said in practically the same voice uh, or the breath, I should say, well, we're going to have to cut your hair really short and we're going to give you a voice name. We're going to call you Bob. And I realized at the moment, as much as I wanted it, that to me, the price was too high. If I have to change who I am, hide who I am, you know, it just didn't seem right. And I want to encourage everyone listening. You don't have to change who you are. God has made you for a purpose, right? You don't have to be searching for something you're uniquely made. An acceptance of that, right? And so I said, sir, thank you, but no, thank you. If I had to hide who I am, I just don't feel it's right. But thank you. Um, and so as I walked away, remember, you know, it was like, I had been prepared for rejection to, um, in my life for quite a bit because of being a girl that you can't play organized sports. And I saw a friend of mine, Sunday Brown, and she goes, Hey, you want to play catch? And of course it's baseball catch. I knew nothing differently. And so we go into right field of this big field that now I know is a slow pitch field. But back then I knew it wasn't baseball because it didn't have grass in the infield, but I was like, okay, we're just going to hide because there's this team practicing. So we're playing in deep right field, throwing a baseball. And this other coach comes up to me. And this guy was like, hey, you got a great arm. Do you have a minute to talk to the head coach? And I was like, sure. And I'm thinking deja vu. This is within 30 minutes of being asked to play baseball and rejecting that opportunity because the price is too high. So as I'm walking from right field to first base, I look on the infield and no longer are there boys there. They're women. And then as I rounded home plate, heading to third, out from the third base dugout, was the head coach. It wasn't a man. It was a woman. And this was strange to me, right? Because I'm like, whoa, right? And so she said, have you ever played softball? And I was like, no, what is it? Oh, it's just like baseball, but the ball's a little bigger. Get on third base, take a few ground balls. And as I'm touching a softball for the first time in my life, as I field a ground ball, my first thought was a little bigger, right? (laughs) It is a lot bigger. (laughs) And at a 12-inch softball, right? And I'm firing the ball around, though. And I just felt like I belonged. And Mm. the coach calls me over. She said, how would you like to play on our fast-pitch softball team? And I said, absolutely, right? And then she looked at me and she said, how old are you anyway? And when I told her I was 10 years old, she almost died because the average age of that team was about 22. Oh my gosh. Wow. So we had to go say, uh, we had to say hi to mom and dad. And mom and dad said, yes, I could play. So what was really interesting when I look back at that moment, right? Because I hope everyone does this in your life. Look at what 
is God teaching me? Like, what lesson is it? How can I learn from this, right? And what happened is I look and say, one, we don't have to hide who we are. God's got a plan. It's going to be his timing. Two is that that God has a sense of humor. And you know how I know it? Because I married a Bob years later. <laughs> is that not I didn't weird? even put that together. <laughs> That's so funny. And uh, the other thing is, you know, it doesn't matter how young or old you might be, really, because for the Union Park Jets, which ironically, the colors are red, white, and blue, foreshadowing in the future, right? For that team, um, you know, we they didn't care how young I was. They cared how good I am, mm-hmm. right? And so how good can we be? as people, as teammates, right? And you might've heard me say this before, that when you look at my career, the biggest compliments I could ever get would be one, we see something different about her. What is it? And I hope they see Christ. Number two is that when Dot was on the field, whether it's my teammates or opponents, they would say, I played at a higher level because Mm. she was on the field. Now, that's pretty cool. So fast forward, I got injured. I was supposed to go to a, a, an all-star tournament in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was selected with that league. And uh, I got injured. And when I, I had cut my fir- foot severely, had you know a lot of s- stitches put in it. And I couldn't go. And instead, hobbled my way up to an instructional league tryout for fast pitch softball by the women's major team in the area of Orlando, the Orlando Rebels. And they did a fall instructional league to teach all the girls in the state of Florida, but at least central Florida, the sport of fast pitch softball. And that's when I met Snooky Mulder and Stephanie Tenney and Kathy Stillwell. And, you know, I can go on and on. Tony Swarthout. I mean, it's just amazing, amazing athletic women who taught us not only the sport, but how to be professional in respecting the game, right? And how to be able to, the, the mindset, you know, it just was the beginning of that. And so at the end of it, I get called over by the head coach, Marge Ricker, who has since passed. And Marge said, Dot, I talked to your mom and dad, right? You always have to go to mom and dad when you're young, right? Mm-hmm. They said the decision's up to you. How would you like to be the back girl for the Orlando Rebels? And I didn't hesitate. Absolutely. Now think about this. I could have played how many kids in travel ball, they got to play. If they're not playing, they go to another team or make another team or whatever it might be. But I was willing to be a bat girl to learn, right? And not play the game. I was going to serve and I was going to learn from the greatest in the game. And by being practicing every Monday, Wednesday and Friday night from six to nine as a bat girl with them, right? And I made a commitment to myself. I will be the best Batgirl that ever existed. Mm. When I'm playing catch with a left fielder, I'm going to be playing catch, right? When I'm going to pick up the bat, I'm going to pick it up so fast. Like people can't even <laughs> see me, right? The reality is I learned. And then there was one game. Are we prepared for our moments? And this was it. The Orlando Rebels were beating an Alabama team 10 to 0. And, you know, 
the run rule is going to be over shortly. Mm-hmm. So it's the bottom of the fourth. Coach looks in the dugout. She says, Dot, get into the game. What? Is this legal? Yeah, back rolls are on the official roster. Get into right field. First of all, I now know that's not true. I'm pretty sure my name wasn't on the roster. But anyway, I'm in right field. But because we're home team, I get up to bat, right? So I go up to bat. There's a runner on second base. I get a base hit. The runner rounds third, scores, I get an RBI. At first base, Marge gives me a steal. I steal second. Next batter gets up, gets a base hit, I score a run. Then we go onto defense, top of the fifth inning, right? Game's going to be over in this half inning, provided they don't score too many runs. Do you know, Ashley, that anything that could happen to me in a game seemed to happen? And you know, offensively, I talked about it. But defensively, are you ready? I get a routine fly ball for one of the outs. Then there's another out for two outs. The last batter hits a line shot to me, one hopper in right field, and I throw the woman out at first base to end the game. No. Oh, my god! Everyone went nuts. And you guys, I'm not kidding. This stadium had <laughs> at least 1,000 people, every 1,500 people, every game. It was, like, unbelievable. And it erupted. It went crazy. And my teammates went nuts. Well, it wasn't teammates because I was a bad girl. Um, but anyway, because of that performance, I think at the end of the season – when Marge called me over again and said, I talked to your mom and dad and they said, the decision's up to you. How would you like to be an Orlando rebel? And I said, absolutely. So wow. I ended up becoming the young, one of the youngest players to play in women's majors. I since have uh, talked to Margie Wright, who said she faked her age. So she could have been the youngest, right? <laughs> she said she was about 12, but I was 13. And it all just took off from there. I mean, my youngest, I was 17 when I made my first, you know, USA team, the youngest starter. We went to San Juan, Puerto Rico. We won a gold medal. But before I jump to that, I have to tell you that they started giving scholarships out for women in college, right? And I remember that. And I always wanted to be an Olympian. But now when I'm 15 years old, there's a professional league that started between Billie Jean King and Joan Joyce. That was the first Mm -hmm. ever professional league for our sport that I'm aware of. And I was drafted. I mean, I was put on the Connecticut Falcons, which had, I mean, the the best of the best, it seemed like. Joan Joyce and Irene Shea, Sharon Backus. It had Snooki Mulder, all of these players. But I elected not to go pro because they started giving scholarships out to women in sports Mm. and in college. And so I didn't go pro. Uh, I was... You can't really say recruited because back then you could not, colleges could not recruit you. But in a way, I was seen because of the Rebel Games where Western Illinois came down and started playing college games in Florida. And the Orlando Rebels were one of the teams that colleges would play against. And of course, I played. So they Mm -hmm. saw me. So I ended up going to Western Illinois my freshman year. And I had two other teammates ended up already being there. So in that meantime, I get invited because of women's majors major ball to try out for our first ever United States Pan-American team. And I made it. And since then, you know, just college-wise, I transferred to UCLA, 
But at Western, I loved it. I played field hockey for the first time in my life. I played basketball. I played softball. We came fifth in the nation. I led the country with a 480 batting average. I loved it. I truly did. But it was UCLA where my parents wouldn't let me go initially um, because they said it's too far away from home, coming from Florida. Yeah. Um, but I was able to make that move. And when I did, we won the first NCAA championships ever offered to women in sport when we were there. That was the academic year of 20, I'm sorry, it was 1983, uh, 84. So, um, sorry, it was 81, 82. So we won that first NCAA championship in 1982 in our sport. And then five Pan American Games, five you know, world championships and two Olympic gold medals. So that was quite a long answer <laughs> for your question, but <laughs> you know, it's been a long career and I loved every minute of it. I loved every second listening. There's a lot to unpack, especially because one, your parents, you know, and there's a lot of parents who listen to this podcast were so, it sounds like so influential on this career being able to happen. They kind of put the ball in your court and you got to make the majority of these decisions to continue on if you really loved it. So what do you admire most about your parents in, the, in this whole journey? Because it sounds like you wouldn't have been able to be Dr. Dot, you know, what your teammates would call you in the Olympics, without their influence on this. Without a doubt. I mean, one is I knew that my mom and dad loved me unconditionally, whether I played sports or not, right? Yeah. It probably wasn't a thing when you have a girl who's wanting to play boys sports, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) But they saw the gifts that the Lord gave me. Um, I just, you know, it's like, what is unconditional love? That's the question. And for parents that are listening, the best thing you could do is let your child know that you love them no matter what, no matter what, and that they're free to come to you to talk to you because if you don't, they're going to seek the answers on the phone, on the internet. They're going to talk to their peers, which have no worldly experience. They want to please you. And the question is, are you making sure you're disciplining them enough that gives them a sense of uh, security, but also gives them the feeling that they you believe in them so much that they can fly, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I knew my parents believed in me so much because of their actions. You know, talk is one thing and I knew that, but really what support are you giving? The other thing I'm going to turn around a little bit. So if your daughter or you as an athlete who are listening that are, whether young or older, but particularly when you're young, if your parents are at the door saying, saying, Sally, come on, let's go. You got practice, do something else. If you're at the door and you're saying, mom, dad, come on, we're going to be late for practice or the game. I think you're in the right spot. You cannot, life is too short. It's too short. Our life is just a vapor. The Bible says a vapor in eternity. So why are you wasting it, right? Do what Mm -hmm. you love to do, but do Mm -hmm. it in the guidance of God's moral boundaries, right? Because the three major categories of temptation in this world are worldly temptations from lying and stealing and cheating can go on and on, right? To flesh temptations of the flesh, to the other is demonic, right? The Satan is after us. He's after our souls. And if you don't believe that he exists, you don't believe that God exists, I challenge you. 
to find, seek the answers and know without a doubt, because science, everything is going to lead you to our creator, right? Supernatural, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here's my thing, parents. It's like when my parents, when they were, you know, letting me um, grow into the, at the time, the child and then the young woman and the woman I am today, it, it was like I wanted to please them so much, but I also knew that they were supporting what I was doing because I was trying to live right too. Do you know what I mean? Like I, my, my goals were of something that I think is healthy, right? Like it was being active as opposed to, I had a young girl in my um, office that was a friend of another young girl. They were like fourth grade, I think. And she was saying that all she does is watch TV. That's it. She doesn't want to do anything else. Just watch TV. So I hope parents, you encourage your daughter to get athletic and your sons to be athletic in sports because you learn so many life lessons through it. So many, so many. When you were sharing your journey, you also talked about owning the role that you were in at the time. So you were going to be the best Batgirl. If you're asked to be the Batgirl, you're going to be the best that you can possibly be. Um, if you were going to be given the opportunity to go play on this softball team, you're going to do the best that you can to be to be the greatest you can be. What a, what a lesson. What taught you how to own your role in that way, no matter what? It sounds like when you go for anything, and I know I, I listened to a little bit of your story on Leah Amico's podcast about um, you know whether you wanted to be an athletic trainer or a doctor, you were like, well, let's try the doctor thing. You know, like, let's, let's see if we can do this. You always pushed your limits and owned your role. Um, what do you encourage to athletes who maybe need a little encouragement or guidance on how to truly do that? It sounds like you just go all out and see what happens, but I'm curious to hear your answer here. Well, the big answer is, too many people let what you do define who you are. So the question is, who are you? And I say, whom's are you, right? Like you look and you go, what does God, who does he say you are? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. And the challenge I had to give everyone, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. He's not lukewarm, right? So even Jesus is saying, dive in, like, you know, seek the answers. Right? So I'm a child of God. And you're, you're not all of us are children of God. We're made in his image. But the question is, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right? I mean, that he died on the cross, that he, you know, was buried for three days and rose again, overcoming death because Satan had tempted mankind and Adam and Eve. And he tricked them, right? And next thing you know, eating the forbidden fruit right, from the tree that they know they shouldn't have, and they did, right? So as a result, Satan thought he won because he did at the time, but not ultimately. He won the battle, but not the war. We were not meant to die, right? Sin came into the world when Adam took a bite. And so what happened? Satan is laughing, right? When you look at the world, what's going on, he's laughing at God. And we are helping him laugh at God because we're being so deceived, right? We're the sinful natures that we choose. So I say that because there's a spiritual battle and it's real. So the question is, find what side you're going to be on because we know who's going to win. God will win. But the Bible even says that Satan's going to win a little bitty 
a little bit here and there and he's going to deceive people. He wants you to have these addictions. He wants you to be able to be, what, what's your God? Is it money, right? Is it your phone? Right? What is your God? Is it yourself? It's pride. I mean, I go on and on, right? The fall of Satan was his pride. So we think we're all that. So getting down to the nitty gritty and really diving in, Ashley, the question is, when you know the Lord, then you are not going to define yourself by a sport, by a performance, by a failure, right? You're not going to. And you're not going to, in your successes, feel that you're better than anyone else. What you're going to do is realize, I want to glorify him. I want to praise him with what he has given to me. And I had, for 10 years as a child, of course, I don't remember when I was really young, right? But I can remember from five years of age up. I was denied opportunity when I knew that I had a gift to do it. I loved it. Even today, I see a ball. I got to pick it up. I got to bounce it. I got to throw it. I got to kick it, right? I just, I just, I just feel alive doing it. But yet society said, can't do it. No, can't do it. But trusting the Lord one day, not compromising. And what happens? You start living the dream. But when it's been denied and also you have an opportunity to do it, there is no turning back, right? You are not going to give it half your effort, even three quarters of an effort. No, when it's been denied and you get the opportunity, you are going to seize it. You're not going to worry about, will I fail, right? Well, do I have any doubts? Do I have any fears? Because you've had for so long, for me, five years of my life, to dream about it, to want it so badly and be impatient about it, even though it's disappointing and heartbreaking and tears and questioning. But eventually when that moment happened with Union Park Jets, there was no way that I was ever going to look back. When I'm trying out for whatever, the Olympic teams, it didn't matter who was out there. I'm not comparing myself to that person or that person. No, I'm going to be my best because I learned I even get the opportunity to try, right? I get the opportunity to perform, to show people what I could do, but mostly show myself and the Lord and thanking him, right? And so as a result, what happens? If your talent is there, things will happen. But let's guess what? There's politics in the world. But again, I'm not defined happy or sad. Instead, I'm going to have joy in my life. Right? And yes, will there be disappointments for a little bit? But I'm saying, what can I learn from that disappointment? How can I make it so that I will not fail the next time and I will succeed? And some of you listening, you're afraid of success because if you succeed, everyone's going to have this expectation about you. But you, do you have the keyword I heard? Did you hear the keyword there, Ashley? Everyone, you're worried about what everybody else is thinking. No. Don't compare yourself. Don't worry about that. Instead, when you're on the diamond, you know what you do? Check us out. Check us mm -hmm. out. Fearless. Play with freedom. Just go for it. And that's what I tell my team. Coaching here at Liberty, I mean, I just, even in camps with kids, I've taught through the years. You need to play with freedom to really reach your full potential. Because it's not just physical. Anyone can teach you how to hit or field or throw. You know what I mean? Like, it's how do you build a mindset 
that you compete to an audience of one, right? To an audience of one. And when you do that, you're living the dream, baby. And it happens. It's like awesome. I'm getting chills even talking about it. I'm know? getting chills too. Just, I'm getting chills too. It's just awesome. And I want everyone to get there. And I call it being one with the ball. It's like being one with the Lord, being one with the ball. Nothing distracts you. When a ball is hitching you, you don't hear the roar of the crowd. You're not thinking in your mind, I got to make this play. I hope it doesn't take a bad bounce. I was there when I was younger. And I realized that when you think negatively, guess what? Negative things happen. So how do you prevent yourself from thinking in the moment? Right? Breathing. Offered up. Moving. Like, you know what I mean? Visualize it. Visual it. Kids can't even visualize it. Can you see where the right fielder is? You know what I mean? Like, no, there's nobody out there. You know? It's like visualize. Don't be afraid to dream big, people, because you're Mm -hmm. meant for big things. We are warriors for Christ. Right. We're, we're warriors. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's being able to see beyond what's in front of you. Like that you won't be able to do that, play at your potential, be the best that you can in the situation without truly knowing like, Hey, like to what you're saying is, is being present, being the most present that you can in the current moment and making the absolute most of it. Hey, just giving you a short reminder that just about all of these interviews on the podcast can be found in video format on my YouTube channel. I find that athletes prefer video format over podcasts these days. Along with some of my favorite hitting drills, mental game tools, and more, find this recording in the episode and so many more like Amanda Scarborough, Carol Hutchins, Olympian Erica Piancastelli, and so many more on my channel. So head on over to my YouTube channel, Ashley Burkhart Training. You can also find a link in the show notes for it and start exploring live episodes in video format. All you have to do is type in Ashley Burkhart Training on YouTube to get there. All right, let's head back to the episode. Sometimes you tell people, be confident. And okay, what is it? How do I be confident? Okay, you know, you need a swagger. What, What is that? You know, one one is that you you know, like I said, that it's not about a game, right? It's about you learning and challenging yourself. But here's some tricks, like offensively, okay? And you have to find what works for you. And this worked for me, okay? When I'm up, when I started, you know, I'm 13 with the Orlando Rebels. I'm a leadoff batter. And when nobody was on base, I was four for four. I'm not kidding you. If you ever go back, look at the records, right? Hmm. But when somebody was on base, I was 0 for 4. Mm. So what should you ask yourself? Why? Why? So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Why? Well, then you have to look within yourself and say, what was I thinking differently? What was my presence? You know, it was different. When somebody is on base, I was like, I got to get them in. I got to get a hit. If I get a hit, they would score. Will they score? But when no one's on base, I'm not thinking about anything but seeing the ball off my back, right? The other thing is I realized it's not about your batting average. Don't look at your batting average. You have to redefine hitter's hits, right? What is a hitter's hit? Well, for me, it was absolutely seeing the ball off my bat. I'm seeing the pitch I want, and I'm ripping the cover off of it, and I'm watching and enjoying every moment, right? And that split Less than a second, obviously. One thousandth mm-hmm. of a second, 
right? Even though they say scientifically it's impossible to see it, but I'm going to see it and I'm going to defy, I'm going to, what is the word? I'm going to, I'm going to, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's not defined science, but I'm going to be, I'm going to do it even though they say it's humanly impossible, right? But here's the point. If I did that, it's a hit in my book. Yeah. Right? It's quality. Yep. But instead, people look at, oh my gosh, she caught it. I didn't get a hit. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about the outcome. You know what I care about? I'm going to see my pitch and I'm going to rip the cover off of it. Okay? And I'm going to see it happen. The mm-hmm. other trick that I would do, right? And this is something people can use. It's tangible. If you fail seven out of 10 times, you're not considered good. Actually, we're considered great. Okay. In today's world with the 43 feet, right? And the ball and the bats, you might want to jump it up, you know, 350, 400, right? But here's a, here's mm-hmm. you hit over 300, you're considered very good. So let's think about it. What I would do is every 10 at bats, roughly, I didn't like mark it off, but in my head, every 10 at bats, my goal is to get at least three, right? If I get three, okay? Hitters hit, I got a lot more than that. That was my goal, right? But my thought process was, as soon as I got three hits, I jumped back to zero in my mind with at bats. Mm. And it wasn't an exact science. I didn't write it all down. So if I was three for three, then I go back to zero. Right. Let's say I was three for six. I'd go back to zero. So if I ever was zero for ten, I didn't freak out because I had all these hits banked. I'm still good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's a <laughs> totally. It's a, it's a mindset. So Took stock. Yeah. Answering your question, I want to give people tangible stuff because you'll say championship mindset, or you'll say, you know, we'll say all these one with the ball. One with the ball is pretty easy to understand. Mm-hmm. We need to keep our eyes on the ball at all times. You know why? Because it deserves our respect. The entire game was named after it. So when I see I runners, that. when I see runners on the bases take their eyes off the ball, eh, not good. When I see hitters pull their head off of it, eh, not good. I see fielders looking at the ball before it gets in their glove and they look up, eh, not good. You've got to see the ball on defense. You've got to feel field it and then feel it. And then fire it. Too many kids will get a ball and they'll throw it into their throwing hand. And they go, but that's how I do it. It's fast. And nine out of 10 times, they'll do it right. And that one time, the regret that they're going to have when it costs a game. Mm -hmm. So our job as coaches is to prevent that. So fundamentally be sound. So sound, ladies and guys who might be listening that are athletes. Be so physically sound with your mechanics that you never have to think of them. You can just play and Mm -hmm. let the game be showtime. And if things aren't the way you want in a game, today's world, analyze it. See the little tweaks you might have to make. Think about where you're thinking mentally, right? But things go well, you're doing the right stuff, girl. But still keep trying to improve. You think about the best teams that ever play, they have mastered those little skills. Oh, yeah. And when we say little skills, they're huge skills. But without those, you can't make the diving play, right? If we can't make the fundamental play nine and a half out of 10 times, right? Because sometimes the ball does weird things. But if we can't master those tiny things like feeling the ball in your glove, doing things one step at a time, not doing step three before you've done step one, like that is coaching at its element. And you, 
You have won conference titles. You're not building this facility because you're losing. You are winning and your team is winning because you are instilling these amazing things. And a lot of coaches are listening and I know they're going to probably break it down in their next practice and, and work on those small little details that maybe are overlooked. Well, think about this. Small things, you do small things well, big things are going to happen. Yeah. You do the ordinary plays and I promise you the extraordinary will happen. Yeah. Uh, I remember Ralph Raymond, coach for 12 years of mine with the Ray Bestis Breakettes and the head Olympic sport, you know, head coach for the Olympic softball team for the year 96 and 2000. He'd always say this game, it's pretty simple. Field the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball, hit the ball and run. Right? So how can we make it simple and not confusing? But you got to realize yourself and when you're coaching the different ways of learning. How do your players learn? Um, the biggest thing for us, I've talked about, as you know, is understanding people better. That's, mm -hmm. First of all, it starts with the desire to do that. And it's hard because we are very selfish people. We think about ourselves. What mm -hmm. do I want to do? What am I going to do? You know, all of that, you know. But when you say, okay, if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, can come to earth and serve others and not ask to be served, right? If he can come down and serve others, I think that we can have servant hearts too. And when you do that, I had to have a big um, self-awareness that I really don't understand other people very well. You know, and I, I don't mean to sound facetious or whatever. I'm just saying like, like why are people not excited when they get on the field? Right? Yeah. Or, they don't have your excitement. Yep. Yeah. Or why are they so sad or moody? Like, or anxious, right? Like why, why, why? Well, I'm comparing them to me. See how selfish, like, like, yes, that's my own reference, but it's like, how do I get to know people better? And that's when we were at a staff meeting and uh, here at Liberty and, and they had a specialist come in and talk about the Enneagram, right? Models of behavior. And there are mm -hmm. all these other different tests you take, but this is the one I'm telling coaches and parents and players, right? To know yourself and your teammates. It is unbelievable how accurate it is and how we can if we know what our models of behavior are how we can get rid of the negative part of it and try and get to be the best of all the other behaviors that we were not even aware of do you mm -hmm. follow me totally and so the enneagram e-n-n-e-a-g-r-a-m enneagram um the nine different basic core behaviors with winging to a number before or after, you know, it's important because a one is a perfectionist. So you know what I had to do with a perfectionist on my team? I had to redefine perfection. Mm. But I How'd you do that? But well, I can redefine it, but they have to say, okay, that's perfect way to redefine it. You follow me? Yeah. So yeah. with my ones who try to be so perfect, they make like even our director of ops list and have to do it perfectly. And they think yeah, if, they that's don't, not me. if they don't do it perfectly, they guess what? They haven't done it right. And they, and their anger comes out, but the anger is yeah. themselves. 
And people misdirect that anger. They think it's at other people, but it's to themselves. But what I do to the ones, you know, I told them, you have to redefine perfection. And this is what I challenge you to accept. Perfection is the pursuit of perfection. Mm. Because do you realize how many people never pursue perfection and are happy being mediocre? It's perfect. I love it that you're pursuing perfection. And you're going to reach it sometimes. And when you do, cherish it. But be prepared that we are failed, you know, flawed people, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not perfect. And the only person that walked this earth that was, was not only fully human, but fully divinity. And we're not him, right? Uh, Really fast choose are those helpers. Like they neglect themselves, right? They want to help other people or other people happy, blah, blah, blah. And they neglect themselves. Well, as a coach, you got to know that. And you have to remind them, you are important. You are valued. And you have to give them words of affirmation a lot, right? Threes. Threes are the achievers. They fill their day every second. Man, they have a list, but they don't care if it's perfect. They're just going to do that list and they're going to add more to it. Leah Miko, right? Right? (laughs) Just do it more, 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 right? Um, The thing is they do not want to be called out for negative things, but they love being called out when they do positive things and look good. So as a coach, mm. you got to pull them aside, right? And let them know if they need what they need to work on and not just call them out. The other is when they're doing a task, man, you, you got to let them finish a task before you try any corrections, right? Okay. Um, fours, they're unique, very emotional. Two, three, fours are very emotional. No one's like them. No one understands them. You know, they're just unique, right? So you have to know how to handle that. Fives, they got to study. They got to study, study, study. They will not answer a question right away. They have to feel that they have the knowledge. They're the thinker. They're Mm -hmm. the thinkers. The six are worried. They're so worried. They're fear, fear, fear. They're worried, worried. So how do you get them to not be fear? And it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Find out what it is, right? Sevens are me, loud, energetic. I'm a seven. I'm a seven. (laughs) We're innovative, entrepreneurial. You know, we hate negativity. Hate it, hate it, hate it. You want to get me upset? Be negative, negative, can't do it, can't do it, negative, negative, negative. Oh, but I've learned take a deep breath, right? And try and show people that the glass is not just half full, it is flowing over, Mm. right? God loves us. He wants joy, joy for us. Eights, I wing eight. Where do you wing? I wing eight. That's so funny. (laughs) I wing eight. Eights, we don't mind direct conversation. We don't mind challenging people. We don't mind it. But you've got to tell people that because they're intimidated by eights, right? They're fearful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, like what is coach going to say? Is she, you know, like what, what, but I let them know. I said, you guys, that's how I love to connect with you. Tell me if I come up, it's don't take it personal. I'm not taking it personal. Like, tell me, what do you need? What do you want? How do we get you there? And a lot, of, not a lot of people voice it. And I give them an open, not just door, an open conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And nines, nines are tough. Nines. They're peace, you know, keepers, not peacemakers, peace keepers. They want to run. They will go back. If there's any confrontation, they don't want it. They don't want to be called out at all. They know what's going on, though. They know people, but they do not want to be. They want to be behind the scenes. So for those of you parents, I'm telling you, you'll help to know your children better. 
And I think as coaches, it's really helped me a lot. And it's helped our team have a better culture because they understand each other a little bit more and themselves. Mm -hmm. That is so insightful. We've never actually talked about the Enneagram on the podcast. So for those that are interested in it, I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes so you can kind of just at least explore it, see if it's for you. Well, there's a little free, there's a free test that you can just take, take minutes. That's that's what I took to see. And then what you do is just look it up and say, oh my gosh, that is me. And it helps with relationships, what you're expecting, your spouse, you know, like just all of those different things, uh, teammates. Um, Again, it's just a tool. And the whole goal is for us to be the best of every single one of those models of behavior and get rid of some of the worst, right? In Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. So you have your team take it and also look at each other's numbers, right? So that they can get to know what they are and... I think that's super insightful. I wish we took the disc assessment when I played, which is a little similar, but I feel like the Enneagram is more of that personal, (laughs) like who you are as a person, not just like a player. Um, So I think that would be huge for teams to do so they can like understand why, why are you the way you are, you know? And I feel like the teams that understand themselves the most from the coaching staff to all the other staff that is on the team to the players, everybody else, like it's, it's important that we all know this stuff. So well, you'll still huge. have drama, you know, that's kind of what you have. It's, yeah. There'll be drama, but um, it's understood a little bit better and there's less drama because of it. So we'll mm-hmm. have the kids in the team room and we'll talk about type one, those at wing to nine or wing to two and all the ones will come up and they'll talk, you know, we'll ask them and I'll say, now, why do you go to anger? Like, how do we handle it when you get upset? You know, because here's mm-hmm. a typical girl thing, right? You'll have a one get up there. She's already three for three. And let's say she hits a ground ball to first and she doesn't get on first base, right? She comes in the dugout and she is ticked off. She is like, like she's so mad. That's how ones can get, right? I go to one when I compete, right? So she'll like, a teammate will tap her on the shoulder and say, it's okay. You know, it's like, and she'll shrug her shoulder. Like, don't touch me. Get mad. Yeah. Right. And what does a teammate say? Teammates like the other teammate. I was just trying to like support her. And I, I'm never going to, I'm never going to like try and console her again. Who does she think she is? Oh, it's all about her. But the reality is she's so mad because, and they'll say this in front of the team because I'm better than that. I let the team down. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. And all of a sudden, everyone goes, you know, oh, man, did I misunderstand that? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, what do mm-hmm. we do when you're Absolutely. Like, oh, just give me a couple minutes, you guys. Just give me a couple minutes. It's not personal. So, and then my thing is, don't use it as a crutch. Control the anger. Less. How do you fix it? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're such a great coach. Um, The last question I want to ask you, and we'll end with some rapid fire questions, which I know you'll love because they're just easy questions, but like fun ones at the same time. I heard you say on the Gold Standard podcast with Leah, um, I never played for recognition. And it really stood out to me because I think we're in an era where there's a lot of players, you know, with social media the way it is, like we all want recognition. We want the likes. We want to have the coach follow us and like our post and things like that. It's very overwhelming. But when we go back to the grassroots, like social media is not a fair representation of who we are. So when you played and you played your heart out for your entire career, you're coaching your heart out now, 
you don't do it for recognition. How do you encourage people who maybe care too much about the likes? How, how do they navigate this? Well, I would recommend one that, again, you have to realize how amazing you are and how special you are. You're uniquely made, wonderfully made. How do we know that? Because the Bible says it. Well, what's the Bible? The Bible is an errant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Atheists has been trying to uh, discredit the Bible for centuries, you know, and millennial, and they can't do it. Architects who are atheists still use it for its accuracy. It, the Bible is the word of God, his way to communicate with us. Oh, I never hear from God. Well, the word is right there. Are you in the word? Are you getting to know him? It's not about religion, people. It's about a relationship. Religion is man-made way to try and worship. Jesus came to the world and said, Pharisees and Sadducees, it's not about religion. It's about having a relationship with me. Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Right? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So either Jesus, who he says he is, or he's a fraud, right? A deceiver. Find the answer. Seek the answer. Seek the truth. Okay? And that's another thing. There's only one truth. Right? You can't have your own truth. I have my own truth. This truth, there's only one truth. So seek the truth. The other thing is you have to be internally motivated, right? Mm -hmm. Like to be the best you can be in this life, right? When you impact the lives of others, is it positively? Are they better in their lives because you were a part of it? Are you building people up and showing them how amazing and loved they are, or are you tearing them down? The other thing is that God's going to take care of you. This NIL deal and money, I can tell you, you can look at Texas a football, what happened, others, but I can tell you that's going to happen. When In the first Olympics, guess what? Nobody knew what to expect. We were playing a game we loved and living the dream to be an Olympian, which, by the way, to do first circle, from the seven-year-old young girl watching the Olympics for the first time 24 years later to be standing on an Olympic gold medal podium with an Olympic gold medal being put around your neck. Are you, you can't willing, put a price on it. Can't put a price on it. And are you willing to pay the dues, what's needed? And if you feel it's been a sacrifice, you're not doing it, right? You're not doing mm. what you're, you're born to do because I never have felt it was a sacrifice. And I don't, you know, when you play, like, what do you really... You know, I have all these trophies and I don't say it um, to boast. I'm saying it because they break. There's dust all over them. You never really see them, right? The ones I've had when I was younger, I don't even know where they are. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, really? You're playing for an object, right? And too many of us try to perform in business, in life, in sports to like, try and feel like you're, you mean something, right? Like you're, you know, you're deserving. I'm telling you, you mean something. And it's not by what you get. It's really about what you give. And a lot of it is just mercy and grace. We're all fallen. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. So recognize that first. Don't hide it, recognize it. And so then when you do sin, First, as a believer, you know it's sinful, right? 
and quickly you the quicker the better your relationship with the lord the quicker you're going to repent right like okay okay that was wrong sorry lord forgive me and guess what he says i'm going to separate that your sin the forgiveness is there i'm going to separate as far as the east is from the west you know what that is that's forever but what do we do as people we don't forgive ourselves right we define ourselves by the sinful choices we've made you are not defined by sin unless you don't give it to someone who can handle it and who died for it right so that's i mean i'm hoping this resonates with with people that are listening because it's too much about what car you drive and what house you're in and how much money you make and the other thing is god is true test him test him what he says you know tithing you know it's amazing the more you give not just money, but of yourself, the more you get back. And it's almost like freaky and like, whoa. Do you know how many people actually through the years have come up and said that one moment that I met them, that it impacted them in a positive way, right? And that's the dream. Yeah, like, and you're like, you guys, your, your children, right? Your friends, people that you don't even know. Tomorrow I'm gonna see 140 some young girls and I may only have one moment to smile at them, you know, to talk to them. And is that enough that they can realize how special they are? And it's not by anything that we can do to earn our way. It's just because we're loved that much by Heavenly Father. Beautiful. Well, I am so inspired by you. And I actually just saw that you are a partial host of a podcast. I just listened to a podcast episode with Patty Gasso. Yeah. And it's called the Faithful Coach Podcast. Can you share a little bit about that and how people can um, listen to more amazing Dr. Dot yeah, <laughs> quotes? It's, it's so fun. My <laughs> this husband, one was full. My husband actually started FCA softball, and now Dana Jenkins is doing that, and she's amazing. And wow. so Bob is serving the Lord with a couple podcasts, you know, and it's exciting because you know how that goes. But he's doing one, the Faithful um, Coach. And he's got Christian coaches all over, you know, the country and some the world, right, that are coming in and tuning in. And it's, if you're a Christian and you are looking for how do I <clears throat> maneuver in the world of secular, secular uh, choices, right, and the secular world that's out there as a believer um, and a Christ follower, that's where to go to. Um, also, we have another one called Champions Within. And it was really mm. fun. The last podcast I was a part of, it was like, how do you become a champion within, right? What does that mean uh, to be a champion? So cool. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes so people can go check it out if they're interested. I mean, if they've if they've stayed for this long conversation with you and I, I'm pretty sure they'd be interested. So go check it out. Um, are you okay to answer a quick little uh Rapid fire, five to thrive is what I call it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and again, you don't have to, you don't have to keep this long podcast. You can always cut it down a little bit. You know. Well, we might separate it into two, but that's just because there's so much good in both sides. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the first question that I have for you is: Who was when you were younger? Who was a great role model that you had growing up? My mom. Your mom. Who showed? Why me, your mom? He showed me Christ. Hmm. When people ask who would you have dinner with, Jesus would be pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Great answer. Um, what's your favorite hobby to do outside of softball? Uh, golf. I love golf. 
Mm, you and, and Hutch, have you played together? <laughs> uh, I don't think we have. Um, my you have hip, to now. Yeah, my hip uh, is a little sore as I'm getting up in age, um, but I love golf. The other thing, thing is movies. I love movies mm, and, ra- and right now, you know, just having good discernment uh, about what movies to watch because some of the stuff going on is, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be blunt and say a lot of it is satanic. There's some really crazy stuff going on in the world. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I am a movie junkie too. Yeah. It's like my, I actually might go to the movies by myself today. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a new movie. Who knows? There's a movie, a new movie out. I don't know if it's um, good. I love the originals with Kirk Cameron with left behind series. Um, mm. so that's coming out. So is it okay? Putting it on the list. I love it. Um, what's a challenge that you, you mentioned one challenge with coaching, but what's a challenge that coaching has brought to you that if you could go back and tell younger dot, Hey, don't make this mistake again. What would it be? Well, we mentioned once, um, trying to understand the players a little bit better, you know, mm-hmm. like what kind of model of behavior do they do? And that's when I, the Enneagram helps a little bit, right. But getting to know that, but the other, the other would be is how to impact each one of them in a way to help them reach their full potential and to know that it's not just about on the field. And I try to always emphasize that. It's not about when you're mm-hmm. losing ladies. Like we've got an amazing schedule coming up this year, right? Every year we do. And when I first started here, our RPI, sorry, this was be rapid fire, but our RPI when I first started here, was 276 and I was naive thinking we had 500 team, 500 colleges that play softball. So I thought, well, we're in the middle of the road. And no people 276 out of 296 at the time. We now have 301, right? Colleges that play basketball, softball, division one. And I realized there are tw- 20, there are only 20 p- teams that were worse than us. Right. Just giving it to the Lord. Let me just tell you, from 276, we've been as high, I guess you would say, we've improved as high as 11. And we have finished our best season. We're in the top 25 in the nation. And this past year, we ended up, I think, 33 in RPI. So I share that because when you focus on the right things, great things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much wisdom. I'm learning so much from you today. Um, how would you define a great leader? A servant heart. A servant heart that others can see they care. You've heard this before. Like people don't, they don't care what you say until they know how much you care. Yeah. Great answer. So good. Last question that I have for you is what are you most excited about right now? Let's see. (laughs) All right. I can be straightforward. The rapture. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, we're in the church age, and what's going to happen is um, biblically, and it says it, Jesus says it himself in Matthew 24. You can look at it in Thessalonians. Um, you look at it in Luke, uh, the book of Luke. I'm super excited, and here's a dream of mine, okay? And I'm going to say it. If it happens, hopefully, Ashley, you're up with me. With it's the recorded. Um, it's here forever. <laughs> they were at the World Series, and we're playing Oklahoma. I'll take UCLA, too, but we're playing... Uh, the championship game and we win and I'm being interviewed and uh, you know, just giving God the glory and teammates, obviously, I mean, players are obviously excited. And then on national TV, we're raptured as believers. Mm. And that would be the truest 
mic drop. <laughs> it would. It would. Man, I love you and your dreams. You are so inspiring. I I can't wait to watch your team. You're about to start season very, very soon. We're going to have, you know, all of us listening are probably going to definitely put Liberty on our list to keep watching so we can see all this dream happen. Well, the excitement um, right now with the team, you guys, is this is definitely the strongest team we've had in the depth that we have. And we have an awesome schedule. And the beauty is going to be, you know, will we be able to perform as good as I believe our talent can be? But again, mm-hmm. you got to do it on the field and talk is cheap. You know that, Ashley? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, so excited to follow you. Go follow her podcast and her husband's podcast. Um, I can't wait to have to see how the season goes for you. We'd love to have you on again to share more about your unique wisdom. But thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. And God bless everyone listening. And uh, it's just an honor to be a part of it. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course. I can't believe that just happened from me getting an A on my paper in school to being such an incredible guest on the show. I am honored I was able to get her on just before her season started. Did you know that they came only one run short of beating Oklahoma this past weekend in the opening weekend? Yeah, they are flipping good. They are a force to be reckoned with, and I hope you keep following Liberty and her team this year. Dot is the epitome of leading with absolute humility while also being able to lead our team to success on the field. It is so important to truly know your athletes and how they tick. So if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram that she talked about, you can find a link in the show notes for how to check it out. This was so fun, and I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, getting to know how one of the greatest in our sports thinks, acts, and does such incredible things. Also, if you haven't already and are enjoying when the cleats come off, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll be the very first to be notified when the next episode drops. And also make sure to follow me on social for some of the best quotes, tips, and clips from each episode. You can find all my social media platforms in the show notes. And thanks again for tuning in to yet another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. And never forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. I'll see you next week.